Hello everyone and welcome back to the Formula Weekly Podcast. We are Lewis and Danielle and it's been a minute. It's really been a minute since we've uh, since we've done this. Um, you know, as much as we, we love Formula One, jobs get in the way, life gets in the way. But, you know, it's not like we've fell off the face of the earth, is it? I mean, we've... Uh, no, absolutely not. We've decided that we can't obviously go to a Grand Prix this year. So we've taken the chances to go... To a couple more touring cars and we spent days at Croft. And yeah, it's been good. We've just tried to get as involved within motorsport as as we can, really. Like like I say, we can't go to a Grand Prix this year, which is unfortunate. So Yeah, it's been it's been difficult to, to try and get get the time for this podcast, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. just with I mean, you know, in personal lives, work's been ramping up a lot and it can take the time out of doing something that we really want to do, but we found the time. We are We're back. here. We are back. <laughs> and uh, what we wanted to do today was just give a little brief recap of the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, we realised that we haven't done one of these for the last few Grand Prix. So what we want to do is we want to kind of give a roundup of, you know, what's been going on. Over the last few races as well, obviously there's a lot of trends being going on in, in Formula 1. There's a lot of maybe not so entertaining things, but also some quite entertaining things. Um, so we're going to run down a few of them, especially what's been going on in Canada. So um, let's get straight I suppose we in, are officially one third of the way through the calendar. Yeah, it's, you know what, it flies by every time. The first third always goes, it feels like two seconds, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah, let's get straight into uh, into the Canadian Grand Prix. And I don't think there's anything else we can start with other than the fact that Max Verstappen is more untouchable this year than he ever has been in his F1 career. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Um, I don't actually think Max was shown on the coverage of the Grand Prix on the Sunday at all. I think I saw him for like two laps. Yeah. I think I saw him for like two laps. And it's, the it, first corner and then the end. That's it. It's just, oh, you, you just forget about him. It's almost like, it's almost like he isn't in the race except for the first and last laps. It's that car with that driver is absolutely wild. That's a nuts combo. Do you know what it feels like? Do you know when you play F one on the Xbox and you've got it on zero AI. You no, know, and it's, it's you know when you do the sort of when you go around the track by yourself and you've got the ghost that follows you oh, around. Boys just, boys just doing time trials. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Nah, boys just doing time trials, but nah, listen, he's he's been strong. He's clearly in the best car. I don't see anyone oh, catching far. him. For a long time, he still had he still had to put in the work over the first few laps, but he was he was gone. One person I was impressed with was uh was Mister Lewis Hamilton, and yes. actually the gains that Mercedes are making in general. Um, it's ever good since to see him back on the podium as well, it absolutely is a two two on the track now, isn't it? But it's good to see him making progress. It's good to see Lewis making progress. It's good to see him fighting with the. The top teams again, obviously, I think Red Bull, for everyone uh, at the minute, are uh, a mile ahead. Yeah. And I think that's going to continue into the uh, into the future. But if they can get anywhere near Aston Martin and, you know, do what Aston Martin are doing right now and just kind of hope that Red Bull slip up. Checo's not in the fight anyway, yeah. so wait, wait for Max to slip up at some I point. Suppose, if he does, I mean, he's been flawless, but... I suppose Ferrari's not exactly up there fighting as well at the moment, are they? <sighs> 
trust me, we'll get on the Ferrari. <laughs> you know what? Actually, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a Ferrari slander this this podcast. They actually they had a pretty decent Grand Prix, but like I say, with with Mercedes and stuff, it's been good to see them. You can see with the new upgrades that they've brought, it's it's a totally new car, and with it, it seems to have brought a totally new mindset for that team. Yeah, you can see the progress they're trying to make as well. I mean, I know George had an unfortunate race, but even he was still fighting. He was going good, and mistakes happen. I mean, you any George Russell fans out there? I know you never want it to be all boy, but it's just it's one of those it's one of those unfortunate things. He yeah. was he was going well. Until he wasn't, it's it's racing. It happens. But, yeah, of course. Uh, in general, it's good to see Mercedes up there, and I don't think it'll knock George's confidence. I don't no, know. absolutely not. But let's get onto some of the uh, the key things that we actually saw in that race. So obviously, we've talked about George kind of just hitting the wall into turn four. I think it I was... was so good for George because obviously. He obviously had that the incident at what, whichever turn it was, and then they were so confident that his car was okay and that he was gonna get back out. And then all of a sudden, it was you know we need to retire the car. And I'm sure he was driving that car sideways for a half that race. I mean, at one point, like obviously he came back out twentieth or something, didn't he? Yeah. And then the next thing, he was like in the top ten. We were like, when did he get there? He was going well. <laughs> and then, then it was just it was just unfortunate. These things happen, but yeah, don't get me wrong, like. The margin for error, especially in, in Canada, yeah. the walls are so tight, It's the, the margins are so small, and I'm not being funny, but no one else made that mistake. There needs to be a, a maybe a bit of a look a look there and just kind of keeping focused, making sure those minute details are, yeah. are covered. But all in all, Mercedes have had a strong weekend. Aston Martin on one side of the garage have had a strong weekend. Red Bull on one side of the garage have had a yeah. strong weekend. And that's what I kind of want to get onto now um i really want to talk about lance stroll in that aston martin and the fact that aston martin are pretty much running a one driver team at the minute um lance stroll is doing nothing in aston martin and i firmly believe that if lawrence wasn't his dad he's nowhere near an f1 seat he's got so much potential is it not just because Alonso's doing amazing that it's making him look like he's not doing anything? You see, don't get me wrong. When you've got a driver like Fernando Alonso in a car that's finally competitive, he's happy, he's relaxed, he seems to have found his happy place in Formula yeah. 1 again. And that's mint. This is Fernando Alonso back to his best. He's that wily old guy that just... He knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly what buttons to push. But... I'm, Lance Stroll's been in Formula 1 long enough now to understand that you need to be good enough to drive an F1 car. Daddy's money can't always save you. We found that out with Nikita Mazepin. Found that out with Nicholas Latifi. Money can't always save you. Now, what point does it get where Lawrence Stroll and the rest of the Aston Martin team turn around and go, maybe... All the progress we're making, maybe we can make the car as fast as we want. Yeah. It's going to mean jack shit if we don't have an ace behind the wheel. Yeah. Can he do that? Can he actually do that? Because he showed potential in the past. He showed potential when it was racing point. He's he's hit pole positions. He's got podiums. The guy was an ace. He was a real hot shot when he was coming up. And he just seems to have fell off the boil. He seems to have 
lost that killer edge that you need in F1 and it's because he thinks he's safe and he is. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, <clears throat> but I don't really know what else to say on Manstrol except he needs to he needs to improve and it's not because I think he's going to lose his seat because I don't think he's going to lose his seat. I think he'll be safe. I just think he needs to do it for the sake of the team. He needs to do it for his dad. He needs to do it for himself. Because otherwise he's just gonna flounder in F one and it's gonna make it it's gonna make it not entertaining for anyone. Yeah. But it is what it is. And like I say, Aston Martin, despite this, they've been making massive strides in Formula One. I mean, Jesus Christ, they're on, they're on the podium me on every <laughs> I know, week. Now. Yeah. When did that happen? I'm sure the last time last time we did one of these. It was Sebastian Vettel getting 18th, and we were like, oh, yeah, at least you're trying, lads. I was sure in our predictions at the beginning of the season, we put Aston Martin at, like, 6th or 7th or something. Yeah, I don't want to go back and look at them. Nobody, I don't think anybody ever suspected they'd be fighting and on podiums nearly every weekend. That's exactly it. There was was little bits and rumours and stuff that Aston Martin were going to be strong. No one predicted podiums every single yeah. week. Like for them to overtake Mercedes and Ferrari was unheard of, especially for a team like that. But the strides that they've made, and I think will continue to make, are going to be absolutely crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Now another team I do want to get onto is Ferrari. Um, started was it tenth and eleventh or eleventh and twelfth? You know, really yeah, wasn't a because obviously Charles. Yeah, it really wasn't a, a good didn't start get for them. Q3 yeah, I mean, Charles got his penalties, Q3, didn't yeah. he? But it's the one time this season where I've I've thought strategy and taking risks for Ferrari has paid off. Ferrari proved us all wrong. I think at that moment when the safety car came out, everybody, you know, changed their tyres and Ferrari were the only ones that stayed out. Everybody was like, "What's going on? What What are you doing? Why are you not doing this?" and I think it took that moment when we were like, oh my God, the third, like the fourth and fifth. And we were like, no, this strategy's actually worked. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone quite knew what had happened. Like all of a sudden they were just there and it was like, all right, okay, cool. It's nice to see you. It's like, hello. Yeah. What the hell are you doing there? Yeah. Like, why are you not 50? Why are you yeah. not in P11 and a DNF like you always are? But no, nah, it was, it's good to see. And it's good to see, it's good to see Carlos doing what we know he can do it's good to see Charles get a decent result after a really tricky few races that guy I don't know how he copes with the bad luck that he gets every single damn week it's not being brilliant as a Ferrari fan (laughs) I mean going from last year and and finishing P2 in the championship for Charles he must have had so much promise that they were going to go on there was a ton of hype around Ferrari at the start of the season and they're just not living up to it. No, that car not is it's not where they want it to be, it's not where we want it to be. I'm not being funny. Everyone, no matter who you are, you want to see Ferrari even if you're not a Ferrari fan, you want to see them fighting at least at the front. You want to see them fighting your favourite drivers and it's just not as fun when you see them battling around with the likes of Alpha Tori and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Now I know that we say we give them a bad rap, but this seemed to be... It's one of those races where they can take a bit of confidence in what they do. Oh, and it yeah, seems to be one absolutely. of those where they can, they can push on from, from where they've been. And I think if they can learn from the strategy that they put in place, it can be more consistent and they can get the results that they need to be getting rather yeah. than, you know, something going wrong or them saying, why, did, why didn't we do this, why didn't we do that? 
if they can carry on, you know, they might be back up there. Damn right. And that's what we want. We want Ferrari on the podium. Ferrari on the podium is good for Formula One. So, we've talked about teams failing to meet expectations, struggling to meet expectations. How about we take this up a notch? We talk about a team that massively exceeded expectations this week. How about we talk about Mr. Alex Albon? Oh P seven yes. and driver of the day. Driver of the, you know what? Well deserved. I couldn't vote quicker for that guy. He deserves it. He was amazing. Most, absolutely, one of the most likable guys on the grid. Drove brilliantly. Some brilliant overtakes. Some brilliant fighting. His fight with the two McLarens was amazing. He's just. I like him. I like yeah. Alex Albon. I think he's <clears throat> he's making the most of. What was his second chance in Formula One? And it's really good to yeah, see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, he, he did well with Williams last year. You're always going to look great when Nicholas Latifi is your, your second driver. I'm not being funny. But he's came in <clears throat> as the number one driver. Obviously, Logan Sargent coming in as the, uh, as the rookie in the yeah. team. Who's been doing all right, but... Alex Albon is really flying the flag for He's come in with an air of sort of confidence to say, I'm going to take this team where it it should be heading. He's doing what George Russell was doing at Williams. In, yeah. I'm not bit, I don't think they're the worst car on the grid anymore. No, absolutely And not. I think that's proven by the fact that he's, he's kind of flirting with the top 10 in Q3 every week, mainly. Yeah. But... The fact that he's doing it in a much slower car and he's getting results like that, he he has so much potential to be in a, a yeah, top team. Absolutely. And I'd love to see him get that chance because Alex Albon's great. Obviously he didn't do it in Red Bull. Um we all know that, but the, it feels like the pressure's off for him. He's just enjoying his driving. He's enjoying yeah, this, that's this what second. George was life. doing though, wasn't he? He was enjoying the battles he was getting and Williams I mean, seems to be a great team to get into the top teams. Yeah. Williams is is that team. They're that team that are able to get the most out of young talent. Yeah. I hope we see that with Logan soon. He's he's not at the greatest start. He's had some decent battles and stuff, but yeah. he he could unlock his potential. Whether he does, I'm I'm not sure, to be honest. But we'll I see. I still think he's a little bit cautious. I think it's for any rookie, I think the first year is always it's 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 a make or break. And I, I don't think he wants to be too out there in case he starts making mistakes and then he gets looked at negatively for that to the, the point where they think about replacing him. I think he's just kind of keeping it safe and, you don't know, next season he might be, he might be more aggressive in his driving style to the point where he is further up there with Alex. I, I agree with you to an extent. Um, I know that he'll be cautious. I know that drivers are cautious. Obviously, rookies, to see that first season as a, a learning phase, a lot of yeah. stuff. And I understand that. But at the same time, there's been news lately that, that Mick Schumacher could be hot on his heels yeah. in that Williams seat. And you've just got to think, if you were Logan Sargent at that point, what do you do? I mean, obviously, the pressure's building on your seat, Potentially, um, Toto, Wolf and Mercedes have a lot of influence in yeah. in Williams, we know. Um, and they're going to look to get Mick Schumacher, their, their now development driver, in any seat yeah. that they can in Formula 1 to get in regular races. Now, if you're Logan Sargent, what do you do? Because you can, 
you can keep using it as a learning phase and you can keep learning Formula One and all this, but you never know if the rug's going to be pulled from under you. That's just the reality of it. We've seen it happen so much last season, didn't we? All the driver changes. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. But no matter what happens with Logan Sargent this season, I think it's uh, it's pretty safe to say he's not going to be the worst rookie to come in this year. So how about we talk about uh, how about we talk about Nick DeVry for a bit? How about we talk about AlphaTauri and Nick DeVry because I've never been more disappointed with someone's start to a season. He came in with so much promise. He looked yeah. great in that Williams race last year. And he's just an absolute clusterfuck. <laughs> Sorry for all the underrating <laughs> listeners out there, but I don't know how else to say it, to be honest. I think he had a lot of promise. And I, I just don't think he's sort of led to what everyone thought he was going to be. Well, let's talk. I think we're getting <laughs> off track here a bit. Let's talk about Matt, the, the Canadian Grand Prix. Let's let's back up this with some fact, right? And let's talk about the fact that he uh, he <clears throat> yeeted Kevin Magnussen off the track yeah. a few times. Um, the fact that a few a few weeks ago in Australia, for example, he yeeted his car into the gravel trap. Let's talk about the fact he has consistently been within the bottom three of the grid. Let's talk yeah. about the fact that his results have been consistently in the bottom three. Um, I am really. I don't know what else to say about him. How disappointed would you be if you if you're an AlphaTauri team member? Seriously, let's yeah, talk about it. how disappointed are you going to be. There's been a lot of talk recently. Let's let's make this a bit of a news roundup as well. There's been a lot of talk about the AlphaTauri seat. He ain't safe. No, the boy ain't he's safe. Absolutely not. And I mean, paddock rumors and garage rumors. You, you you do have to take them with a pinch of salt. But there's been some consistent ones in that there are three main contenders for his seat next year. And he ain't one of them. Yeah. That's how you know you're not having a great start to the season, when there's three contenders for that seat next year, and you ain't one one of them, them. despite being the one currently in it. So you've got Daniel Ricciardo, the wily boy coming back. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool, personally. Yeah. I think it'd be good to see him back in F1. You've got Liam Lawson. He's my favourite. Yeah. I think he massively deserves it, but... There's been a lot of talk about Liam Lawson deserving the Formula One seat for a number of years now. Yeah, but now you've got talk about Iwasa as well. Yeah. And the boy's not having a bad season. No, not at all. And they're looking to bring in new young talent. That's what they did with Yuki, and Yuki is now thriving. Yeah. He's doing great. Would it be a bit of a sideways step to bring in Daniel Ricciardo? Would it be kind of against the philosophy that they're trying to build? I think it'd be good for them. It'd be brilliant in terms of marketing. Absolutely brilliant. It'd be brilliant for him because he gets a regular seat. And the, yeah. I'm not being funny, but the pressure would be off him. But realistically, for me, I think Liam Lawson deserves it. Still in the back of my mind about Alpha, uh, Alpha Tori wanting to break away from being sort of known as Red Bull's little sort of sister team and does bring in Daniel Ricciardo with the experience make it a separate thing does I don't know does does he wait for something else to come up and then you bring Lawson in well I know we're gonna I know we're gonna do another little another little segue here but speaking about doing maybe a sideways step for Daniel Ricciardo and maybe him, him something a bit better does that does that second Red Bull seat open because Perez ain't having a good season. Yeah. He's not having a good few races and 
he has probably one of the most dominant Formula One cars in a decade, yeah. maybe more under him. And I don't know how he's finishing out the points. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know how he's struggling. I don't know how he's qualified. How has he, he not got into Q3 in a while? How have we not seen know, Sergio Perez in Q3 sort of in been that car? Put on the back burner, hasn't he? Sort of haven't really. There's just uh, there's heard a lot of him of, lately. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on his on his seat, and you know it's. I know it's not the the Perez show, but the fact that we were maybe thinking a few weeks ago that he could be fighting for the title, is baffling. Yeah, that is absolutely. And I mean, like once you look at it in context, the grand scheme of yeah. things, like he's totally fell off a cliff. And it wouldn't sort of be unheard of Red Bull to just kind of make a cutthroat switch, would it? I mean, the thing is with with Red Bull now. Red Bull are a they're a strong, yeah, they're a strong, prestigious team in Formula One. They've been around for for well over a decade now, and they've they've kind of cemented themselves as one of the better known teams in F one history. Um, Canada marked the hundredth win. Max sealing that hundredth win for them. He sealed his forty first win. Um, as an individual, equal in Ayrton Senna. Yeah. I'm not being funny, but for a lad that young to be yeah. to be doing that, he's, he's something special. But and I mean, I'm sure it was in the last 19 races, Red Bull have won 18 of them, which is crazy. a crazy statistic. No one's beaten Red Bull at the minute. No, but, no, no one's even coming close. But if you're... Listen, Max is clear out in front. Max is the... The most informed driver on that grid at the minute is borderline untouchable. But in that second seat, do you not need someone? If you, right, if that second seat's not going to fight for the title, which fair enough, Perez probably can't keep up with Max. Max is too good of a driver in the best car. Yeah, that's just a fact of life now. If you're not going to fight for the title, does Max not need a good rear gunner to just keep the pack away yeah. from him? You know well, what I mean? That's sort of what Perez was in twenty twenty one. He was perfect. He was the perfect team. He was the perfect teammate. That I think all you need to do to realise that Perez was the perfect teammate is look at Abu Dhabi 2021. Yeah. He was immense. Like, and lately he's just, I think he got a bit of a sniff of blood when he, he took a couple of wins. Yeah. And he kind of thought, I'm equal in Max here. I'm, I'm doing the business. Yeah. We're, we're I mean, both. everybody thought everyone was like... Everyone was hopeful. Yeah. Everyone thought it was a... <laughs> Maybe like a a Hamilton Rosberg esque rivalry, yeah. like you know, two drivers, one team, going for the title. But he's he's just fell, and I think maybe the pressure's got it to him a bit, and it's unfortunate. But it, I think it was always going to happen. But like I say, bringing it back to Daniel Ricciardo, do you bring someone in that's going to be brought in solely to to be that rear gunner yeah. from Axe, someone that's good enough to battle at the front? But is not good enough to touch Max, which Ricardo isn't right now. He's probably past that now. He he sounds like he's lost his killer instincts a bit. Um, which, would he be happy doing that? I, I I'll be honest. I don't think he'd care. Just be happy to be back in. I think in this year's seat. gave him. He's enjoying what he's doing. He's doing great for Red Bull in the in the marketing and PR side of things. He's been to a few races. He's shown his face. He's openly said that this year is the year off that he's needed to just kind of work on himself, figure out what he truly wants and explore other avenues. I mean, he was commentating with ESPN at the Canadian Grand Prix. I think that fall from grace just shows how much Zach Brown just pounded him into a corner. Yeah. It's sad, but 
it'd be good to see Daniel Ricciardo back on the grid. Does he take that Red Bull seat? I don't know. Does he take the Alfa Tauri seat? I don't know. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of changes next year because there's a lot of there's a lot of teams where one driver's exceeding expectations and one's just kind of not making the yeah. cut. Nick DeVries not making the cut. I'd maybe argue that Logan Sargent needs a bit more time before we can say he's not making yeah, the cut. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, however, one team that I do think is making the cut exactly on both sides. Exactly who you're going to say. I honestly... I know that you've maybe gave him a bit of stick in the early part of the season, maybe. And I think... That's, I, that's not because of... That's not because of him. That's because of Zach Brown. <laughs> it's because of Daniel Ricciardo, let's be honest. You just didn't want to see Daniel Ricciardo off that grid. But yeah, let's talk about Oscar Piastri and let's talk about Lando Norris and let's talk about McLaren. Poor start to the season. Yeah. Very poor start to the season. Um, consistently improving. They're not looking as bad. No, they're not at, at all. all. And that makes me happy because they do deserve a good car. Moving up the constructors, slowly but surely. Yeah. Maybe not reaching, you know, the the things that Alpine are doing yet. Um, Ocon and Gasly look strong. I don't think they'll beat Alpine this year in the no, constructors. I don't. But this year, Lando's performing well with a, a bit of a shitbox. Oscar Piastri's kind of holding his own as well and... To see those two have a bit of a battle in Canada was good. You know, a couple of overtakes between them yeah, two they, and those two Lando been. getting the better of him sometimes and Oscar getting the better back a couple of laps later and they looked It was strong. nice that they were told to sort of just race. It wasn't so... I mean, there was one point where they did tell Oscar just to hold back from Lando because he was sort of Alex Albon was coming into the mix and they were all just going to kind of get in the mix with each other. So they told... Lando just to kind of sail ahead. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Dan. I don't but, really, I don't really know how how on earth they expected Lando to to follow any team orders, considering he's the most unsportsmanlike guy on the grid, yeah. according to <laughs> the God, FIA. God, yeah, Jesus Christ, that? what was that about? Unsportsmanlike. I don't product? think Lando Norris has an unsportsmanlike bone in his body. Bro must have just went into that debrief looking like a sad little puppy. Yeah, I swear, to God, I felt so bad. I didn't understand it, but like it's I don't silly. actually know where that came from. And then you've got you know you've got that little penalties like the unsafe releases between the. Oh, can we just take a minute to talk about that unsafe release, Hamilton and <laughs> Alonso, and just it. Alonso being the absolute little expert that he is and dramatizing it and oh god I'm gonna go into the pit wall and I'm gonna emergency break and oh my god he's pulled out on me I'm gonna die and <laughs> it's been. It's been a bit of a wild race, but let's let's get back to the, the facts. Max Verstappen's on top. Max Verstappen's going to stay on top. But the fight in that upper midfield has got a lot yeah, more Yeah, I was just going to say, the fight in the midfield has, has been consistently interesting so far this season. And I think that's kind of one thing we've missed over the last couple of seasons because there have been title battles and, you know, sort of last year it was Max and Charles and then the year before it was Max and Lewis... And I think it's sort of, we all know Max is going to sail off into the distance every week. So it's nice to see the battles in the midfield. You need to see that. And you, it's it's good to see, if you're a fan of anything other than Max Verstappen, it's great to see that kind of racing because all the other teams are so close together. Red Bull are out in front. We all know Red Bull are out in front. And then it's kind of followed by Aston Martin and Mercedes now. They're not on that level, but they're on their own kind of yeah. level as well. And then you've got the likes of Alpine, Ferrari, 
McLaren Alfa made Alfa Romeo as well. Alfa Romeo doing all right too, you know. Joe's doing... Bottas was right in the mix last now. weekend. And to see all of these drivers that maybe don't get the spotlight that they deserve, all of a sudden, prime time, yeah. te- prime time TV, they're getting... They're getting like in on the we action. didn't even really see Max last week. No. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's good to see that because everyone's getting the rare time. Everyone's getting getting to showcase what they can do and, and everyone's getting to thrive, except Nick DeVry, because he deserves to be nowhere near F1. I'm not being funny. But, yeah, the Canadian Grand Prix. Fun if you're, um, fun if you're a Red Bull fan. Fun if you're a Hamilton fan. Great if you're an Alonso fan. It's just been one of those weekends where anything could have happened, kind of fell on a bit of a flat note with another Red Bull wins lol. I think everybody got excited after qualifying was rainy and everyone thought, you know, get in, this is going to continue to the race and the race was glorious sunshine. And Red Bull wins <laughs> Which is fine, but it happens a bit of rain does spice it up a little bit. At the end of the day, Red Bull have done everything within the regulations and within the laws, unfortunately, despite, you know, the cost cap reaches and stuff. They've done everything by the letter of the law now. That car's just too fast and it's the job of the other teams to catch up. I don't I don't see it happening this season, which unfortunately maybe means it's going to be a, a bit of a dull one, yeah. at least until the summer break. But that's what we're here to see and that's what... We love F1 and we just want to see close racing. We're getting that in the midfield. If you're a Max Verstappen fan, we're happy for you. <laughs> if you're anything else, keep hoping your team pushes up. But one thing we um one thing we wanted to say about about you guys as well, um, you know, just to just to get away from the Canadian Grand Prix for a second, is we've listened, we've heard, we've seen the comments, we've seen seen our DMs and stuff on, on Instagram and we really appreciate your patience with waiting for this this podcast to come back. I know a lot of you have been asking where it is, um, if it's stopped. It definitely hasn't stopped. And we also just wanted to announce that starting next week, Austrian Grand Prix, weekly podcasts are going to be back. We're going to be doing race recaps. We're going to be doing roundups on TikTok. It's going to be... Um, it's going to be the fact that you're going to be seeing a lot more of us. So we just want to say thank you. We want to say, please keep listening. We really appreciate all the support. We really appreciate you guys, every single one of yous. We know our following isn't massive, but it is to us. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we just want to thank you for your continued support and uh, say that we hope you haven't got sick of our voices <laughs> because you'll, uh, you'll be hearing a bit more from us. And I think on that note, I think it's maybe time to, uh, to round up this episode. The Canadian Grand Prix was fun. We can't wait for Austria. Hopefully it's fun. Hopefully. We'll see. Fingers crossed. (laughs) But anyway, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.